0: Welcome to Juvenilia where we go back in time to examine all of the crazy and weird creative projects that we did when we were younger. I'm Corbin. He's Sam. Hello. Hello Sam. Hello Corbin. So this is a podcast where we look at books and comics and bits of writing and art and so on that we we created when we were teenagers and up into our 20s and maybe up into the present day would you say that's a a fair description of what we're trying to do here i would
1: i definitely say it's going to take us up to a point at which we would have been last year contemporaries of Cobain. that's probably the minimum that we would do with this so
0: oh wow yeah what does that mean
1: uh it means like when we get to the same age that he was when he died
0: Oh, he was 27. I thought you meant uh, we will stop around 1994, which, oh. if that's... In which
1: case, we're well overdue. Yeah,
0: we should have stopped quite a few episodes back. I wouldn't have had oh, much to shout. talk about. We could have talked about the um the book of zoo animals that I made when I was like four years old, where I just stapled Did you really? Some, well, you know, I stapled some bits of paper together and drew some animals and then wrote the name of the animal underneath. And I thought, yeah... That's how books are made. I mean, you're not wrong. Did you ever do anything like that?
1: Uh, so, my first forays into anything vaguely creative was um, I used to draw characters from PlayStation Magazine. I used to just like try my best to like copy them. Uh, that was the first time that I remember, you know, doing something. Like, I don't think it was the first instance of me doing something creative because that was when I was like, um, you know seven or eight years old but one of my brothers got a playstation and would occasionally get playstation magazine and i would occasionally swipe it and be very jealous looking at all the pictures of games and wondering how you know amazing they were going to be even though i was never allowed to play on the thing and so i would just like draw the characters i remember drawing crash bandicoot and Spyro the dragon and uh yeah just uh a number of uh, number of wacky fellas. and then at some point I decided I was going to draw all 151 uh, Pokemon, which I then did in a in a sort of a little a little uh, you know rough book kind of thing. I did that all before I went to secondary school, so that was those were my early forays copying images from places. I had a, a big poster with the first 150 Pokemon on, and I got that poster and put it up before I knew what it was. I was like, this is interesting. What's all this?
0: Wow, you didn't actually know what Pokemon was. You just liked the poster.
1: No, I only got my first Pokemon game about three months before I went to secondary school.
0: But you hadn't seen the anime?
1: Uh, Not at the time I got the poster. Mm. Shortly after.
0: Wow, that's pretty cool, actually. Well, I used to... Yeah, that's a pretty common thing. Copying drawings as a child and being quite sort of... Uh, devoted to it like deciding like i'm gonna draw all of these or all of those But it's um uh, did, did you find it easy did I find to draw it easy? those
1: uh relatively i remember sometimes there would be uh like elements of like um like a drawing where i'd be like uh just drawing the outline isn't going to do it but i don't know how to i, I remember really grappling with like the concept of like what shading would be I always did them in like black and white. I never, never really wanted to mess around with colour.
0: Um, oh, like, okay, that makes it easier.
1: Which is uh, <laughs> which is a thing that continued through most of my creative life. I still, I still don't really plump for co- uh, for colour as like a first choice option. I prefer just working uh, black and white with things. But that's nice same here.
0: Yeah, but I loved that kind of thing. For me, that there was one occasion I remember really vividly for some reason where I decided. I was going to draw a plan out out of all of the power ups and items available in Sonic the Hedgehog, mm. uh, Sonic Two, I should say, and I kind of like categorized them and like carefully drew each of the the power ups and like wrote down their effect. Wow! And I felt weirdly proud of this like sort of like little game guide that I'd made. Nice. <laughs> and I wish I could uh, recapture that spirit today just thinking oh wouldn't it be nice if I just drew some of those items from that game and just did it and felt proud of it
1: I mean like I understand it it's uh I think it's a sort of a way of like interacting with the world that um you lose for the most part as you get older unless you sort of actively work to keep it I'm always Mm. glad of the the skills that I've managed to hold on to but
0: creativity yeah. to understand things and speaking
1: of understand understanding things <laughs> how's about you uh elucidate what it is we're going to be talking about yeah. what we're going to be talking about today
0: i was going to say we, we ain't really here to talk about any of that yeah no. sam ever since we started this podcast people have been coming up to me <laughs> in the street, and they've been saying i mean at first they've been saying congratulations on the podcast obviously but oh, no. they always follow up by saying, when the heck are you going to talk about Sun City? Uh,
1: this thing's been uh, an albatross around my neck for the past uh, past 18 years.
0: <laughs> it's, it's a little hard to move past, you know.
1: This albatross has been dead around my neck for so long it can legally vote in most Western countries.
0: They let albatrosses vote?
1: Uh, only if they're dead at 18. <laughs>
0: okay what's Sun City Sam
1: <laughs> it's a bloody mistake no it's Sun City is an illustrated novella from about 2005 that you and I worked on it's um, written by Samuel Bowen and Corbin Wilkin illustrated um, <laughs> it's it's a story about a man given a mission by the most unlikely of benefactors <laughs> <laughs>
0: that's such a tease that's a great uh, a great sort of poster strap line thanks but you said strap uh, in is what I'd say (laughs) strap in for the ride of your life or afterlife did you say it was written by Samuel Bone and Corbin Wilkin illustrated I did Why would why would you put the words in that order, Sam?
1: <laughs> well, this comes back to uh, something that I didn't think was going to be such a re- reoccurring issue with our uh, with <laughs> this. It comes back to uh, the assignment of credit for the creation of these works because there's a, there's a front cover to this illustrated novella, and uh, as as is so often our deal, um, we've made use of the left down, right up. Um, Manner of uh, making sure that names are getting equal credit on the front cover of things. Uh, my my portion of work is uh, at the bottom left of the front cover, and it's underneath the word written. And yours is slightly higher and to the right. And uh, to make sure that your your name is uh, definitely higher, you've actually you've kept the uh, annotation of what it is you do illustration um, in the same places where mine is written. But your name is above it, so it reads, written, Samuel Burton, Corbin Wilkin, illustrated.
0: <laughs> we might have overthought this somewhat. Might be a little overthought, but... Yeah, so this is on the the, the, the cover I made for this work, and uh, it really looks like I've used a lot of Tippex to white out an area so that I could write our names on top of it.
1: I was wondering how you'd done that, but uh, do you think it's Tippex? I, I think that you just left the space. It
0: looks pretty bumpy
1: to me. Yeah, There's I, definitely like, some tipics there. I would say the bumpiness is where you've just you know where you where you've done a lot of hatching and you've kept it relatively consistent in its stopping point. You also well, used, no, made uh, made use of a, an army stencil kit,
0: I think. It looks like it. yeah, it looks stenciled. I don't remember stenciling letters, but maybe that's how you got it professional looking. Well, it's some of the best handwriting I think I've seen from my teenage self up to this point it is very much legible that's the best thing I can say about it yes <laughs> okay well, we'll get back to the, the cover later on so for now <laughs> so this was an illustrated story you call it a novella I mean it's maybe like what 30-40 pages long
1: is it as much as that it's 7134 words
0: that sounds like a lot.
1: Yeah. and uh, Okay, so the, the page count is telling me that it's um, not including the the novella. Uh, not including the novella. I'm very tired. Not including the front cover. Um, it's 36 small book pages or 18 um, A4 pages with, you know, two pages a
0: piece. Yeah. Well, it's a short novella. You could say that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, quickly... Mm. Not that quickly, but quickly. Mm. What's it about? You want me to give a synopsis? Yeah. Right. So there's this guy, right? All right. <laughs> this guy named Jack. <clears throat> well dodge. And uh, we don't we don't know it at first, so spoiler alert. But he's an assassin. Oh damn. He gets killed pulling off a mission. Right. Ah, that's uh, not not
1: not the worst thing to get killed for pulling off.
0: <laughs> yeah. Right. And then he goes to hell, and the devil gives him a new mission, and the mission is to assassinate God. Wow. Now that is quite a concept, Sam, you have to admit. I do have to admit that is quite a concept. Like, that's 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 kind of undeniable. Like, that sticks in your mind, doesn't it? Like, what? They're crazy. You can't write a story about that. It's ridiculous. I do
1: remember, like, oh, not remember, but I do I. When I think of all the things that I've made in my miserable life, <laughs> <laughs> this is the one that's the easiest to just, you know, say in a single, uh, you know, 12 word sentence. I know. So it's a story about a man sent to assassinate God. Like, that's yeah, pretty, pretty straightforward.
0: Yeah. And it's like, boom, like, wow, mind blown. Like, how do we come up with that?
1: I don't recall, I'll be honest with you, I don't even know if like you were the like the key concept for this or if i was the if I was the uh idea i gen like
0: i kind of assumed that I came up with the idea just because it's so ridiculous <laughs> <laughs> but I don't know, i really don't well i
1: i feel that this is i'm i'm really i'm i'm just ready to get directly to the uh, the rating so that we can put this one to bed because there's not much to say about it as you can understand um no <laughs> i i do have a feeling with this um this this work that it may have sat in my mind as the best thing we ever finished in, in this period of time like working together on stuff so this this has a great deal of uh import hanging in um hanging over it for me like mm. when i think when i think back to my my basically my pre-leaving home years this is the one where i go like well i finished that one it may not have been the strongest piece that i did in that time but i did finish it it did feel like a start middle and end and it like had some of the best illustrations at the time and like yeah the the concept is very uh very notable but I don't recall coming up with it, so I think you are right in saying that uh, that you may have come up with this concept.
0: Well, I used to come up with some pretty stupid ideas for stories, and if I did come up with this, and you went along with it and produced something like this out of that, then thanks, because wow, you really uh, you really polished a turd. <laughs> I'd forgotten all of that like what you just said. Uh I actually did feel the same way, but I'd forgotten that I felt that way until I reread it just a few days ago and I I remember it brought it all back feeling as though oh my god, this is yeah, we actually finished this. It's a complete piece of work and it's pretty good. Yeah. And that was it, I'd forgotten what an achievement that felt like at the time after so many false starts that even though it wasn't this huge long thing it was a complete thing that had you know a substantial amount of work put into it it wasn't just a tiny little thing it was significant and it was finished and it was pretty good yeah and i think that was the best the best uh the best example of something finished like an illustrated story that was finished that i could show anyone until um the first chapter of the the newer version of the porn which came quite a bit later wow which that I I held onto for quite some time but before that it was it was this
1: wow Um, that's uh I'm I'm imagining you sort of uh clutching a copy of this nervously as you uh, scurry around town looking to get some illustration work age 15 (laughs) yeah that
0: was how I envisioned it. Like, oh, well,
1: here's, uh, here's my copy of San City. Those are my credentials. Those are my bona fides. Yeah, maybe you could uh, hurry up and tell me when you're going <laughs> to give me my first paycheck.
0: That's how your university tutors told you it was like back in the day. You know, back in the 70s, you just yeah. used to put, put some stuff in a portfolio and just go around from building to building and cheap <laughs> Just trespass. <suit>. Yeah. <laughs> just knock on doors and someone will give you work. You're not knocking
1: right. You need to use the special illustrator's knock. It's very feeble.
0: That's what they teach you to do at university—the special knock.
1: <laughs> That's what the thirty grand's for. <laughs>
0: um. So, how the hell did we finish it? What went right?
1: So, I for a lot of the the like the the collaborative rhythm works um, that we have, I have. Memories of mostly sitting in uh, your bedroom, sometimes sitting in my bedroom, working on them together. The weird thing about Sun City is I don't have any memories of its creation. All my memories of Sun City sit around, um, like, like, it almost felt as if it was a thing that I did on autopilot. And then afterwards, I was like, wow. I I finished this, and then like a lot of my memories tied to it are the the the, the follow-ups.
0: That's so weird. I actually just got a shiver because you just you just said exactly what I remember feeling. And again, I didn't recall any of this until this week, like going over it. But that's exactly the same as me. I cannot remember creating this.
1: <laughs> well, Corbin, I think I think you'll agree that we're in a uh, possession situation here. Um, <laughs> so, some malevolent force clearly uh, made a bad choice in picking targets. They, they clearly wanted uh, Paul Stewart and Chris Riddell to make this, and <laughs> they, yeah, they got. They we must have been st- stood near them at the time, and they must have accidentally uh, put this into into our minds. This is what they got.
0: It's like the devil wanted to create this to inspire some kind of. Uh... <laughs> Some kind of lunatic to actually carry out this plan. Yes. But he uh, picked the wrong guys.
1: What's more convincing than a snake in a garden? I know. (laughs) An illustrated novella by children. (laughs) 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 I do think that I probably spent some time uh, working at this using the desk that my father had so kindly finished. Um... A building and installing for my for my bedroom, I do think that I spent some time doing this on that. That was a mm. uh, that was a uh, perhaps an area of time that I spent. But that just the, the the desk that I had is not very not very interesting. Though it was a pretty interesting desk.
0: It was an interesting desk. <laughs> yeah, it was an interesting shape. Yes. <laughs> Although you promised me before that your dad made that desk, you said, y- my dad's going to make me a desk with a hole in the middle." that I can go underneath and then rise up through the hole on a special chair and then I'll have the desk all the way around me. Yes, 360 360
1: degrees of um of desk power. Yes, we so we um that was the original plan for that desk. It, it ended up just having a sort of a a very um notable sort of curved dent taken out of it so that I could have desks like sort of uh, concave around me but when we when we looked at the amount of space that we had to work with in the room, making a desk that would have fit all the way around me comfortably without me being constricted and unable to get in and out, <laughs> <laughs> so short of the desk being permanently built around my torso, it only would have been about six inches deep <laughs> in in all directions, <laughs> which would have been an enormous waste of time. Also, would have been an enormous waste of like waste of like a large sheet of wood because you would have yeah. bought bought this and then cut eighty percent out of the middle.
0: I imagine it being a tiny little hole like you might use for ice fishing.
1: <laughs> Just my head coming out. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and then two separate little holes for your hands.
1: So <laughs> you're suggesting I do my work holding a pen between my teeth? <laughs> <laughs>
0: uh, okay so you only ended up getting about 180 degrees of desk rather than the full 360
1: yeah maybe maybe call it 210 at the best of times if i really you know sucked in my gut and forced <laughs> myself against the edge of the desk but yeah basically 180 degrees of desk the same as the standard desk I mean, with more, more effort, isn't yeah. it
0: because how much do what, what would you have done with uh, 360 degrees of desk?
1: Well, we could have had Sun City too, Corbin, mathematically speaking.
0: <laughs> oh, Christ, I didn't think of that.
1: Yeah. <clears throat> the, uh, I'm trying to think of a, a funny way to ch- change the word sequel to something relevant, but uh, Sunquil. Sun- Sunquil, yeah, there we go. <laughs> sun
0: City too. It's even sun... sunnier.
1: <laughs> it's always sunny in Sun City.
0: Which yeah, I suppose I envisioned this as a bit of a, a movie, you know. Almost, it, it could have been a, a treatment for a, a film. So good. Very cinematic, you know. <laughs> it is.
1: I think I um. I think I wanted to write about lens flare when I was writing this, and I don't think that I knew what the term was. Wow. Okay. I know that's that's something I. Remember. I think it was this. I have a memory. I remember from that period of time being like. The sun was really bright and visible in his eye.
0: <laughs> the sun glared. You could have just said, "Yeah, could have." Didn't though. But yeah, there would be a lot he of was lens flares if it was a movie. <laughs> Near Constant. Yeah, I mean, if you're in Sun City, you're going to get some lens flare for sure. I mean, you, how could you avoid it? Polarized Depending. filters, maybe. I
1: was, I was going to say. Well, I was going to say. Uh, I think that they would, um, if they were making this today. And by today, I mean if they were making this in uh, period, you know, two thousand and one to two thousand and five, back then, which is when it was written, um, they would have like the whole uh, sections in Sun City would have been slightly overexposed. I think. Yeah. I think that's how they would have filmed it.
0: Well, somehow I don't know if it's the illustrations or the words, but I do get a sense of real light. Like you really do set the scene very well. The kind of environment of of the of heaven. It feels overpoweringly bright as you read it,
1: oh thank you but uh I guess I must have, i must must have, some of it must have gotten in it It's a strange thing doing this podcast i just as a brief aside is you know the the first ones you sort of look at them and you're like, well, you know that's you know that's the work of a child or you know like that's uh early artwork you know however you want to frame each one, but um you yeah, like it's it's strange watching it move to the point where you start to be like, "There's there's there's good in here." Like it's still you know a hackneyed uh, concept, and you know like it's uh, still you know like not particularly polished, but like I've been sort of reading the little clips as we uh, go along, and there's some bits where I'm like, "That's yeah, that's not bad."
0: Well, the concept may be hackneyed. And I've always been kind of embarrassed about the concept, but when I read it back, I was kind of thinking, actually, the concept is so ridiculous that it ends up kind of working because it's just, it's almost like gloriously stupid. Well, thank you. (laughs) But the writing itself is actually good. I was surprised how good it was. I haven't actually sat and read this for like basically since we did it, like at least 15 years. I don't think I've read this. I guess I just never had a reason to. And I was shocked by how well written it was, actually.
1: Oh goodness. Uh that's that's very kind of you, but I for my money the 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 real uh the real power of this work comes from the illustrations. Like that's my that's how I've always felt about it because there's some real corkers in here. There's one illustration in this that um for a very long time, was both my favorite and, like, I thought, technically speaking, the best piece of work he would ever done. Which it's one? The, it's the, uh, the close-up on the man that's been shot.
0: Oh, yeah, that's gruesome. He's got a bullet right through the head. I always hated that, not not because of the way it was drawn, but I just thought, oh, that's gross. can't believe I drew that. Uh. <laughs> it's really gruesome. It is. It's uh,
1: it, it spares no... De- well, I mean, it's a fairly small wound that he's got but uh yeah it's uh i always remember thinking this is uh it reminds me of the work of hmm let's see uh chris um, Riddell. no <laughs> <laughs> uh like it reminds me of the work of some um sort of like horror uh manga artists
0: oh right yeah yeah lots of lines I
1: mean. lots of lines around the eyes but then the eyes having like a sort of a brilliant patch of like shocking white to them mm.
0: Yeah, I'd never thought of that, but yeah, some of that um, really obscure, like, 80s um, straight-to-video anime has that kind of look, doesn't it? That sort of disturbing quality with lots of lines. Yeah. and uh, But that's not the most disturbing illustration, because a little further on, there's a drawing of a man being tortured with invisible knives he looks like he's being crucified and then slashed with invisible knives and that's even worse i mean it's horrible
1: yes that's uh that's quite a, a shocking one isn't it
0: if i had been my own parent i would have seen that and said son you need therapy
1: honestly i mean
0: yeah <laughs> <laughs> i mean it ain't nice but uh hey I could, I could have just blamed it on you. Like, I'm just drawing what Sam's telling me to draw. I'm in his thrall.
1: <laughs> Sorry, uh, I, <laughs> I, I... Yes, this is my fault. You're right.
0: <laughs> I'm just like, I always thought of me as the kind of, like, edgy teenager, and you were, like, the nice guy. And I guess it shocked me a little when you wrote... Kind of disturbing things into a story and sometimes I felt as though ah oh, Sam doesn't really want to write this stuff he's just doing it because uh, he thinks that I like edgy dark stories and he wants to impress me
1: and, and you're right <laughs> yeah yes I still uh, no I no I I think that I was I'd gone past the initial point of um of just being like very put by any sort of depictions of violence and I got to a point where I was like well Maybe I could try try writing about that kind of stuff. Like, it's a thing that does happen in parts of life. Like, it's not, um, you know, it's not a completely made-up thing. Like, obviously, some of this is, like, you know, fictionalized, but... Well, it's all fictionalized, but <laughs> it's... Um, yeah, I, I, I remember thinking when I was, like, writing it... I remember having the, the sense when I was writing it that uh, I wanted to sort of, you know, play play in that space a little and see what it would feel like to do that and... End up realizing that it, uh, you know, it wasn't that it wasn't so bad. Like I, hmm. yeah, it didn't it didn't make me feel like terrible in the way I thought it would.
0: Yeah, well, let me tell you why the writing is good. <clears throat> so in seven thousand words, you're setting the scene of this whole kind of world, and it's a very specific kind of um, vision of heaven. It's not, you know, it has its own kind of like quirks. You set the scene, and you kind of put us in the environment. And it's very descriptive, but it also kind of... It buries the lead in such a way where you don't know what's going on right away, but it slowly becomes revealed. It jumps around in time, but it does it without ever being unclear. Like, it very successfully kind of jumps back and forth. Like, it goes back to Jack's uh, mission where he gets killed, and then uh, his descent into hell. And, um... The di- yeah Well, that was some of the things I really like about it, uh, like when he's uh, going into hell and he goes through this kind of tunnel where he sees happy memories from when he was a child and then they slowly get worse over time. And I remember thinking that was like really smart and actually quite like, uh, what's the word? It was quite affecting, you know. It was quite sort of disturbing, like, seeing the kind of innocence of a child and how people become corrupted over time. And then when he's on the train, he catches a train and ends up uh, going into the underworld on a train, and there's all these, like, references to um, things going slightly wrong, like everything is a bit... um, everything is a bit bad. Here's this bit. He's on the train, and it says, "'He was really starting to drift into sleep, lulled by the gentle rocking of the car.'" But as soon as he was close to full relaxation, there would be a violent jolt as the wheels ran over an uneven track join. It was as if someone didn't want him to rest, which seems to suggest a kind of um, subtle torture as he's kind of going on his journey into hell. And there's there's some other examples as well, but like this, these kind of um, everything is corrupted, you know, Mm. which felt really subtle. In a way, <laughs> like I don't know, I just found myself impressed by things like that, where you've kind of you're you're doing something, you know, and you were like 14 when you wrote this, so it's pretty, pretty impressive much. some of this stuff. But it's just like there's it's it's very goodly it's it, it's very it's very goodly descriptive. <laughs> it's very it's very well described. There's a lot of good description. Uh, it's concise, but it really puts you in the environment in a way that um, a lot of experienced writers might actually struggle with. And um, surprisingly, well handles in such a short space this totally bombastic, ridiculous story. I'm not saying it's perfect, but um,
1: no. And I, uh, in in the case of the prosecution, I would in fact like to um, read my own little uh, moment that I that I've come across that makes me think that perhaps this wasn't quite as uh, quite as polished as uh, <laughs> as as you're trying to make out. Though, thank you, I appreciate the uh, the ego boost. Um, they all knew exactly who he was and so did jack he was god (laughs) that's all that that's it
0: (laughs) (laughs) yeah there are a few funny moments like that but i can see what you're trying to do with them you're trying to kind of do these sort of dramatic kind of staccato like dun dun, like moments yeah which even if you don't always pull them off at least you're kind of you're doing something you know you're trying to do something I don't know. It just it just surprised me. I expected it to be a totally unreadable kind of dirge and a mess, but it's it basically works. Like what it's trying to do, it does in its own idiosyncratic way. Hmm. Yeah. Whereas I was disappointed with the the illustrations when I looked back at it. Really. Um. Yeah. I mean, they were still the best, most coherent set of illustrations I'd done up to that point. That's that's
1: something about they really hang together. Like other works that we've looked at, I feel like the illustrations have felt like, I like quite isolated from one another. I can't necessarily mm-hmm. elaborate on how, but like these ones, like you look at them and you're like, yep, this is all the same, the same series, right. the same world. Like they they all look like a, a matching set, not just because they're in a document together, but you know, it's like the quality of line is very consistent and like your style is very like, it's, it's clearly like materialized at this point. Um, and also looking through like, as much as I love that gruesome, uh, illustration, the one before I, um, which is one of the other images that, uh, that, uh, Jack DMs our main character, um, sort of sees as he's, uh, like making his way through this sort of like purgatory, like corridor to hell. um, he is the image of like him, uh, like as a as a kid, saying um, like uh, being around uh, his mother with I believe a newborn child. It looks like.
0: Uh, no, if you look more closely, she's actually holding a little flower. Oh yeah. And in the text, it says, uh, "Let's see. There was a picture of him when he was four years old giving a flower to his sick mother."
1: Oh yes, I recall.
0: And it's like a kind of picture of innocence in contrast to the kind of gruesome images that come afterwards.
1: I think that's uh, one of the one of the best pieces, pieces of work that you've done at this time, like hands down. Like have, looking at it now with like mature eyes, like the composition is excellent, and the the fact that you're able to like draw this character like in a younger self and it's still just immediately identifiable. Mm. Like I think you did really really well with that.
0: I just gave him the same hair. <laughs> oh yeah, but still, <laughs> same sort of black mop of hair. Now, what works about it is the fact that it's on this sort of um, like subway poster thing mm-hmm. on a brick wall, and then in the foreground you have the adult Jack staring at it. So we're just seeing him from behind, and the fact that he's slightly off center. Yeah, there's something about it that works, and I had the same feeling when I saw it. Like, wow, that actually—that's an effective illustration. Yeah,
1: I feel like <laughs> a, a more immature artist would have put him right in the middle i oh got the proportions but, wrong.
0: But that was a really good case of the synergy between text and illustration because I think when I read that it was kind of, it immediately inspired the image because you basically kind of given me the sort of pieces to put that together. And that was another thing I was um, impressed by was um, that you planted this idea without saying it that, that uh, Jack was made an orphan. Like... He was four years old and his mother is sick. And I think later on we learn that he was, like, in the care system. Yeah. So you don't explicitly talk about his mother's death, I don't think. But um, it's no. kind of there, this kind of before and after. And that's, it's like, quite an advanced bit of writing in a way. You're kind of hiding the main event but just suggesting the before and after.
1: I think I would have, um, even at that age, I think I would have realized that... Um, if I wanted to discuss such a major event in the character's life, it would have um it would have required at least another sort of three thousand words of detour and I just remember thinking, Well, if your life is flashing before your eyes, it's flashing. It's not uh you know, it's mm-hmm. not a ten part HBO drama, it's
0: No, well, that's good, because the tendency of a a sort of young amateurish writer is to feel as though you have to put in everything, like the reader won't get it unless you spell out everything. But it seems like maybe through a desire to just keep the story ticking along, you just thought, well, let's just skip that.
1: (laughs) Corwin, I would like to ask you a question. What is your favorite illustration from this uh, piece and why? Like what... uh... Give me, give me some, give me some feelings about the work that you've made for this, because there's easily fifteen or twenty illustrations of this. There's quite a lot.
0: I don't know. Let me count them, not including the cover. We got three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirty, forty, fifty, sixty. There, twenty. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> Roughly twenty. Well, no, I think my favourite one is the um, the one where he's looking at himself, giving his mum the flower. Although the one thing I've noticed that's a real problem with that. Is that you can see that they're in the interior of a room, but she's in a bed, and the back of the bed isn't against a wall. What kind of sense does that make?
1: Sometimes people will set their beds up that way.
0: No, they don't. You've like should be as sleeping as, the other way around. As
1: long as the uh, as long as the foot is against the wall, if it's just freeform in the middle of the room, that's madness.
0: I don't think anyone's ever arranged their bed that way. Look, she's got a little bedside cabinet that's basically just sort of next to the bed with, without touching any walls it doesn't make any sense.
1: do you think that that was because you wanted something to uh, fill the the rest of the space and you just put like room background in instead of like trying to find stuff to put on the, the walls
0: yeah well this was literally always my problem with drawing interiors drawing anything realistic drawing anything inside of a room back then was I just didn't know how rooms looked in spite of being in one it was so elusive. Frankly, this drawing was me pushing at the absolute limits of my abilities. Because you've got you've got a door, you've got a window visible with a sort of curtain, weird curtain, <laughs> and I actually did the back of the bed as a sort of uh, you know it's got like vertical bars making out the bed frame. For well, my abilities at the time, it's not bad.
1: It's <laughs> something that I keep thinking about as we uh, as we go through these works. Is um, I wonder how it would look if um, if you were to like take one of these illustrations and basically like take the concept and just re-execute today with the skills you have. Like obviously, I know we we talk about you know like if you were going to make this again now, what, you know what would you do differently? Mm-hmm. But like I wonder how that piece might look today.
0: Well, it's interesting because that only makes sense if you've sort of got a composition to work with. Like some of these. What I don't like about the illustrations in general in this is that some of them are just so nothingy. Like, <laughs> you've got a drawing where, where Jack is talking to the devil and he's just sort of, like, looking at him questioningly, and it's just like a head-and-shoulders shot, and it's almost like, why do you even bother doing that? It's kind of... Um, it doesn't illustrate much, does it? <laughs> I don't know. You know, it's like I could have drawn um, the two of them within the scene set in the scene outside in the rain but um instead i've just drawn them sort of individually jack and the devil and it doesn't really do much and i mean it's because that was like too daunting drawing two characters so obviously you know there are some scenes in this where i've drawn multiple characters within a scene yeah. um like there's one of uh an angel mother with her two angel children and <laughs> at the beginning with the old man in the waiting room with people in the background, but these were a real struggle to draw. So any occasion where I could, where I felt I could get away with just drawing a character's face, I would take it because that was the only thing I felt confident drawing. Yeah. And there's even an action shot of Jack back in, back on earth getting stabbed. Like he's, 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 the guy he's tried to assassinate he's like getting stabbed by this guy and there's all this blood spraying out of his back
1: <laughs> I, <laughs> what I uh, what I like, quite like is um, sorry to to and uh, not to detour but like uh, he's being stabbed by a guy with a long knife whose assassin name is The Long Knife
0: well I think Jack's name was The Long Knife I was a little confused about that at first but I think that was his assassin code name
1: oh you right
0: yeah, the guy he kills in that bit is called Moorcroft.
1: Oh, he is, isn't he?
0: I'll read you a little bit. Alex Moorcroft was the leader of a small military cult that was trying to seize control of the small island of Cuba. <laughs> yeah, nice I mean, It's of small, It's not that small, is it? <laughs> Cuba.
1: No. I'd, not, I'd not bitten at the time. I obviously have since.
0: The Long Knife had been hired by a tiny Cuban organization that had caught wind of the upcoming siege. Yeah, so they they hired Jack, aka the Long Knife, to take out Alex Morcroft, who was the leader of a small military cult. Uh, yes, of course. I have to wonder: does any did any of that kind of stuff that you wrote come from the Alex Ryder series? Like, was it inspired by the sort of assassination plots and government organizations and military organizations and stuff?
1: That definitely must have been percolating in my uh, in my noggin at the time of um, creating these, like. I think that that was very much in there. Like, I loved those books in my early teenage years. I thought those were like the best things in the world. Wow. I, I had, uh, I had, uh, at least the first six or seven. I think I sort of dropped off by the time that they, um, got to the, got to their conclusion. But I do remember reading those books and having real emotional resonance with them, <laughs> even though they're wow. basically James Bond for children.
0: Well, they were good. The only reason I read them was because you told me to read them and lent them all to me, and I, I remember really liking them as well. But yeah. uh, maybe not as much as you, by the sounds of it. But a lot of it, there was a lot of that kind of rhetoric in Alex right in the Alex Rider books, and it you know it sounds very similar to the kind of thing you've written that you've written here. You know, um, they were closely intertwined with the Cuban authorities, but they had no intention of telling them about the Long Knife. They did not want to anger the most dangerous man on Earth. Um, a large sum had been organized, stolen directly from the American Mint Office, and he had been given one week to complete his assignment.
1: The American Mint Office. I think I've they been there. Famously where they keep all the money. They make it and then they keep it in an office building until it's needed.
0: I might have been inspired by the Simpsons episode where Mr. Burns goes to Cuba and... Fidel castro takes his one trillion dollar note <laughs> he's like
1: what note Mr. Burns looks really sad
0: <laughs> yeah actually i was going to ask you i wrote something else down the um the bit where jack is kind of going to hell and like things keep going wrong like oh he keeps getting jolted awake by the tracks and like, yes things are slightly uncomfortable and everything's was that inspired by the simpsons episode bart sells his soul uh
1: not knowingly um i i think at that point i'd already been um i've been making journeys to and from london from essex um and i do remember having times where i would be like quite tired and just wanting to sort of rest on the train and i'd keep sort of waking up and it was my first first sort of memory of that like interrupted attempt to go to sleep like because i was still relatively young I remember thinking, God, this is the worst. Just let me sleep for a bit. I'm really tired. Um,
0: so what you're telling me is this story was inspired by bleeding British rail. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Okay. Exactly. Well, there's a few things. Like, I don't know, when he's sitting on the train and um, he's around him, the other passengers were gazing out into the dreary landscape, though none of them seemed to show much interest. One man was hunched over, his head in his hands an elderly woman with thin drawn lips glared bitterly at him with her sallow eyes it's just that kind of thing where it's like everyone seems hostile i know he's on his way to hell but it's just the way it's done it's like i've had days like that where you're going around and everything just seems to be uh, irritating and everyone seems to be kind of hostile towards you and Mm. it's like hmm if you were entering the shallows of hell that's kind of what it would be like.
1: Yeah, I think that you're. I think that you're right, and I think that I did an excellent job. Go <laughs> <laughs> conveying that. Well done, me.
0: Well, speaking of an excellent job, back to your uh, question. The yeah, though I do think in terms of its like what it actually does, the illustration of him looking at himself as a child with his, with his mother is the best illustration. I also think that. Um, there's one later on that I think is technically the most proficient, which is the one where God is in the crosshairs, mm. right at the end of the story. Very polished. I don't know. It just, um, it actually looks like a real step up in just basic quality from the rest of it. It's actually kind of tight. Yeah. yeah. Whereas there's just a kind of sloppiness to all the other drawings that make, makes them quite off-putting to me. Do you think, the hands are still horrible.
1: Do you think that that's uh, in part because it's you've literally been forced to like frame it? Whereas the rest is sort of free-form on a piece of paper.
0: That may well be true, because a lot of these are... um, Yeah, one of the things that I never quite picked up on was that it's actually quite hard to do drawings as vignettes, Mm. where you're just kind of letting it sort of peter out towards the edges of the image, and you have a much better time if you have a frame to push against. Yes, definitely. (laughs) But I never did that back then. But yeah, this one's obviously framed in a black circle. And the fact that the circle is black as well, showing the sort of edge of the... um, (laughs) The edge of the scope. sniper scope. Yeah. That that black kind of offsets the the white of the drawing. That may just be why it looks good. That may be the whole reason. Just that black framing around it.
1: Hmm. Yeah. No. I, I look. I'm I'm just uh, paying uh, attention to it there. Like it's it's pretty much it's pretty solid. There's only a couple of points about it. Like as you said, the hands are like they've oh, got the the Wilkin hand uncertainty of the period, but. Uh yeah no it's otherwise pretty pretty solid this whole this whole sequence is uh the bit that i wanted to do as a as a reading like i knew that even even uh, ages ago we were just uh coming up with a concept of this i thought well if i ever do a reading i want to do this,
0: this <laughs> well bit. the ending pretty much giving away the whole ending no one's going to read it
1: otherwise are they <laughs>
0: yeah i guess so but um so even then you were envisioning going to a book signing or something and then just telling everyone the ending
1: <laughs> <laughs> no 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 i mean for making for this this uh, this podcast i thought that uh oh. this would be a good bit for a reading like today not um not otherwise
0: oh, okay well we've got a nice little um world going on here um, yeah
1: i in our, in our little uh impromptu break in the middle um I was sort of reading more into detail of it, and I quite like there's a sort of a, a double bluff quite early on where um two sort of children fly towards uh Jack, our main character um and you think something's like uh something terrible is about to happen or something really eerie is about to happen, and they're just they're just some angel kids like messing around, and they get told off by their mum and it's uh yeah, it's a it as you said the whole like um, building up like what, you know what's going on here without uh, saying what's going on, um, and then having this strange moment that ends up just being like very human. Like I mm. think that's pretty pretty decent.
0: Angels behaving badly. Yeah, I mean, there's some pretty serious stuff going on in here, but you know, it's not all serious. You got these uh, little angel guys, little cherubs. So that's cute. But he starts off. Um, in the kind of lobby of heaven and you've got these kind of the angels are dressed like flight attendants Mm. in these kind of blue uniforms and then he has to go through this whole kind of bureaucratic process to get into heaven and then takes a cable car up to his uh, room and he's got like a fancy flat in heaven which is nice
1: it is I remember at that age thinking that having a nice flat was the, the sort of the height of sophistication
0: rather than a house
1: yeah because i mean you were city important which is much better than being uh non-city important
0: yeah i guess i probably felt the same way but uh yeah then when you get the first appearance of jack the first thing that strikes me is his clothing which why does he have like the bottom of a coat sticking out from under his jumper
1: it's billowing dramatically
0: (laughs) i guess that's what i was going for in the drawing yeah but it's like this sort of huge bizarre trench coat thing that's just sticking out from under what would otherwise just be a a jumper.
1: It looks as if he's um he's gone to an uh, a slightly aging amusement park and um he's taken the large uh, plexiglass um like casing away from a um from a bin and he's decided to make it incorporate <laughs> you know the thing that makes the bin look like it's just a big boulder in boulder land. <laughs> But he's made that part of his uh part of his uh his outfit, or maybe maybe this is just the original design for my my desk. He's just standing in the middle of it.
0: Dad, I want a boulder desk. Give me that boulder. I want a fiberglass boulder desk. <laughs> uh, I love his work. And then he's got um he's got two sort of um. Ankle bracelets over the bottom of his trousers, almost like holding the cuffs of his trousers. Well, in those
1: place. those are clearly those cycle clips that people wear, so their trousers don't get caught in the gears of their bike.
0: That's what they are, yeah. But I it does give to him think of the word.
1: It does give him little Edwardian flares at the bottom of his trousers, which is a nice touch.
0: Maybe it's a, a little bluff. He's trying to convince everyone in heaven that he died cycling rather than it during an assassination gone wrong. Maybe to make his death seem more innocent.
1: Or maybe he's intending to escape uh, heaven by bike, <laughs>
0: <laughs> on a holy bicycle. <laughs> because yeah, he's sneaking into heaven. This uh, this Jack guy, he's he's basically sneaking in there under false credentials, so he can get close to God and uh, deliver the old uh, bullet with Satan's blood on it.
1: Yes, I forgot that part. Um, Lucifer, Lucifer's blood in
0: the in the bullet. Because as everyone knows, that's the only way you can kill God is by getting Satan's blood inside of him.
1: I remember thinking that you couldn't just use a bullet. I remember thinking that God would probably be too wily for that. Yeah,
0: silver for werewolves, holy water for vampires, Satan's blood for God. Yeah. It's that simple.
1: And then uh, I I do like that there's an extended uh, paragraph at the end talking about why it wouldn't work. But it doesn't doesn't really explain it. (laughs)
0: Um, yeah, God's basically just like, silly, you can't kill me. <laughs> Satan was messing with you.
1: I think perhaps the most uh, unsettling part, uh, you know, I'm I'm jumping the gun. Perhaps I should just do a reading. Perhaps that would be, uh, perhaps that's an appropriate thing right now. Because I want to sort of dig into this, uh, this ending.
0: Let's do it.
1: Okay. Um, can you, uh, could you do Jack's voice
0: when we get to this um, part? Okay. I I guess I can imagine what his voice might be like.
1: This section is entitled, Scope. (laughs) The wind blew viciously up here. It whipped at Jack's skin, as if scolding him for something he had yet to do. Standing up here upon Eternity's Peak, one of the Golden Palace's numerous spires, he had a good view of the citadel. Far below him, tiny streets wove in between large buildings, somehow all bathed in sunlight. Even smaller still, with the people on the streets all going about their everyday lives. How insif- insignificant they all seemed in the grand desire things. But this was not important, and Jack was determined to not get distracted. His soul depended on it. Amongst all the roads and alleys were more prominent causeways. Hundreds of people passed along these numerous veins. You could just about make out the general murmur of life. One causeway, quite close by, was particularly noisy. Even from so high up, Jack could make out a single figure walking through the crowd, which was passing before them. Hovering below him, and above them, the angels stopped to look down upon him. They all knew exactly who he was, and so did Jack. He was God. A wave of excruciating guilt passed over Jack. He couldn't go through this. Surely not. An inane scream filled his ears he was taken back to the tortured soul. The pure horror of it all made him undo his bag and begin to assemble the jet black sniper rifle inside. Down in the streets, God waved to the people around him. This was no rare event. Wherever he went, he was met with thankful people and waving crowds. It was nice to know he was liked. The bullet caught him off guard, slicing through his chest, exploding out his bag. The normal thing to do was to clutch his chest and fall down, and so that's what he did. All around him, people were reacting. Some merely stood and screamed, some ran for color, whilst others tried to push past and help. It was no good. The bullet had ripped through the vena cava of his heart. (laughs) All around him, things began to fade. Upon eternity's peak, Jack was already taking apart his rifle, still stood on the perilous plinth of the tower. Why did you do that? A quiet voice caught him off guard. He spun around and swore in confusion. You? Jack stepped back. Before he remembered, there was nowhere to step back to. God grabbed his hand, leaving him hanging over the edge of the building. Jack had his eyes screwed up and was breathing heavily. It took him about ten seconds to realize he wasn't falling. He looked back over his shoulder.
0: I shot you with Lucifer's blood. You should be dead, or something should have happened to you, at least. It
1: appears that the Lord of Hell is very much mistaken. One of the remaining rounds of the rifle floated up out of Jack's bag, and God took it in his free hand and examined it. Shaking his head, he muttered something to himself and pocketed the bullet. Lucifer did not break my law, as he told you. If he had done that, everything would have ripped out of existence. I don't mean to brag. But I did create everything. (laughs) (laughs) And I never got anything wrong. (laughs) (laughs) No, I knew that if I was going to give humans free will, I would have to give them an alternative option to good. You would never have been able to think up one on your own. So I made Lucifer, the fallen angel, as it were. And it seems he's let his own power go to his head. But this is beside the point. What am I going to do with you, huh? I mean... "'Trying to assassinate God. "'That's going to be stuck on your permanent record, you know. "'But, you know, I'm in a good mood. (laughs) (laughs) "'All this will give me a few hours to go relax in peace.' "'He laughed whilst Jack was becoming more and more aware of his position "'and who held him there. "'God luck to him. "'I'm going to give you a second chance, Jack. "'I know your life can't have been easy, "'and I know what happened to, uh, to you when you were younger. "'How you felt you needed to become faceless, unknown.' a shadow. A childhood couldn't have been easy, especially with the early death of your parents. He pointed to his left. They live over there, you know. If you make the same mistakes again, you will be punished. So try and do the right thing. I'll be watching you. God let go of Jack's hand. Jack swung his arms forward, trying to grab onto something, but already he was falling, screaming, all the way down. His body cracked the pavement with all the force it was carrying, and he was dead. Epilogue. Jack stood at the top of a long set of stairs. Here he was, to see a bad man, a mobster, about an assassination job. He was going to bluff his way through the whole thing, pretending to be an experienced hitman. He needed this. Without warning, he fell backwards. His clothes were soaked from the rain on the ground. Instantly, he was in a foul mood. Something gripped him, and suddenly those dark stairs seemed off putting, uninviting.
0: Sniffing, he turned around disappeared into the night. The end. The end. So God sends him back in time to the moment he was about to become an assassin. Yes. And he pushes him over.
1: Knocks him down. Pushes him down he like says, a bully.
0: Get on the floor. The
1: the way that I've written the dialogue from God is uh is is almost more ominous than um, than any other part of this whole premise. I find that quite un- quite unsettling, that my idea was just, like, he's this sort of all... Like, he's truly not just all-powerful, but, like, he just doesn't really give a damn, even when someone tries to do what arguably would be one of the worst things you could try and do. He's just mm. like, I don't really care. Just stop <laughs> it. Just knock it off.
0: <laughs> yeah, he's a bit of a jolly fellow, isn't he? Yeah, he's sort of a Santa Claus figure. Not sure what to make of this, God.
1: There's also not really any repercussions.
0: <laughs> well, no, but you know he's 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 sent back in time and given the chance to do the right thing and he chooses to do so, right? So Seems that's like it. good. I mean, I hope he didn't assassinate anyone. Nice. Yeah. But he's gone back in time. How does time work in this world? Are uh, the people that he killed still dead? Uh, I think that they are, but I think, Sam, I, think I need some explanations. I think he,
1: they all get killed by different people.
0: Oh, okay. Hey. Hey. <laughs> There's the bit where he meets the devil, and I like that too, because Jack says, Who are you, anyhow? And the devil says, Oh, come now, surely you can guess. And Jack (laughs) says, The late Joseph Stalin come back to deal out revenge on those who wronged him? Jack answered bitterly. The stranger laughed. Hmm, no, but I may as well be for all the suffering I have caused. (laughs) So, who's worse, Satan or Stalin?
1: (laughs) I mean... It's uh historians have been arguing that one since the since the drop.
0: And theologians. Yeah. yeah, true. There's a lot of influences in here. I'll tell you that. There's a lot going on. I like that
1: uh a part of heaven is called the Golden Palace, as if it's sort of a, a an Indian
0: restaurant. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> or a casino. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But one thing I like as well is that um You get that detail at the end there that he bluffed his way into his first hit job out of desperation. Actually, I think you mentioned it earlier on in the story, but it's reiterated at the end. Because, I mean, when you normally read about assassins or see them in movies, like in fiction, they're usually done as these sort of mythological figures, these kind of like cold born killers without any kind of, you know without any kind of interesting past. There's something about the fact that he was just kind of desperate and decided he was going to bluff his way into a hit job. Yeah. that's It's very human. It's a kind of a realistic detail in a way. Like you can almost imagine becoming desperate enough that if that opportunity somehow came along, you might be like, yeah, I'll give it a go. I could kill someone if I could get 50 grand out of it.
1: Well i remember it's not quite the same thing and this happened a fair amount of time afterwards but um i remember being in my first year at university and um there were medical um studies going on at the university, at the hospital directly next to my university and i really needed money and i remember um basically like putting myself in to be uh to have like some some testing done on me um and it was, uh, it was the first year after the terrible thing happened, uh, at the same hospital where, with, uh, the people who got like really like, they really like inflated a lot and a couple of them died, like at Northwick Park Hospital. Um, and, uh, yeah, I remember at the time thinking, well, I just need to do this once and get lucky and get through it. And then I'll have enough money that I'll be back and back in the clear sort of, Trying not to pay attention to the fact that you know like I would still need money afterwards, like that wouldn't be the last time I would ever need money in my life, but having this sort of simplistic view of like oh, if I just do this once i'll be I'll be set even though it was
0: damn like, Sam it was like you were financially illiterate yeah, pretty much <laughs> wow, yeah, actually, now that you mention it. I remember those guys where their hands got all inflated. Yeah, yep. Yeah. I'd completely forgotten about that. Oh, yeah. How funny that it was the exact moment that you were deciding to sell your body to science. Yeah, pretty much. So if someone had said to you, hey, listen, if, someone, if some shady character had been waiting outside of that clinic and said, hey, you're doing uh, medical research? How about, uh, How about you ever just... thought about becoming a hitman?
1: You ever thought about having me do surgery on this
0: guy? <laughs> Get into the organ harvesting game. Come on, there's big money to be made.
1: I think if they caught me um, coming out of McDonald's after having spent £10 on uh, two meals myself and then hating myself, (laughs) they probably would have uh, been able to convince me to do pretty much anything. (laughs) (laughs) But that was all, uh, you know, four or five years after this. So obviously, I was much more mature when I read this.
0: potentially yes I don't know I just thought it was an interesting detail the idea that um, you know I mean we don't know more all the details of his past he could have been like involved in drug dealing or something and then it's like who knows like who you come across and they might say listen I needed to get a guy taken out you wouldn't happen to know someone would you and he could be like oh yeah I'm a trained assassin I just didn't tell you until just now no I just didn't want to freak you out (laughs) This whole time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so in terms of influences, uh Sun City itself is clearly inspired by Sanctaphorax from the Edge Chronicles. There's that one drawing of the towers of uh Yes Sun City. That's very it's just clearly it was familiar. from the Edge Chronicles. But I was wondering, had you seen the film Constantine at this point?
1: I hadn't. Is that had is t- that I, t- I haven't since. <laughs>
0: Have you ever watched it? No. No, okay. Me neither. <laughs> okay. But in but it came out right before we wrote this. And um the uh part of the premise involves Keanu Reeves trying to kill the devil and, and he um he sort of travels between heaven and hell, and there's this whole sort of mythology of angels and demons in it. It's almost like heaven and hell as a fantasy world. Ah. Uh-huh. And um, yeah, I was just wondering if there was any inspiration from that, but obviously not. Because I feel like I remember you mentioning that you'd seen it, because we were talking about how to depict Satan, and I remember saying I wasn't entirely happy with our depiction of him as a, a sort of suave man in a pinstriped suit with two tiny little horns. You didn't. And, you didn't uh, care for it? Well, I just thought it was a bit cliche. When I was drawing it, I do think I thought, oh, that's pretty clever, like but actually then later I realized it wasn't that clever and I sort of wish that I'd done something a bit smarter it's a diff- bit more original
1: difficult isn't it with something with a, a figure so so uh you know so often depicted in so many different variants mm. so there's you kind of you almost have to sort of connect to that that a little bit but also it's hard
0: <laughs> well I swear I remember you saying oh well in constantine they should like Satan was uh, really interesting. They really did an interesting depiction, and you told me about it, and I thought, damn, I should have done something more like that.
1: Did I? Have I seen Constantine?
0: Well, you might. Maybe you just saw the trailer or something. Maybe. But I wish that I had maybe it was seen...
1: like on when I was somewhere and didn't actually sit more watch the thing.
0: Uh. Well, yeah, yeah. That happened a lot when I was a teenager half watching films that were on in the background. Yeah. But what I really wish I'd seen was Two Thousands Bedazzled, starring Brendan Fraser and Elizabeth Hurley as mm-hmm. the devil. Because then I would have said oh, Genius, the devil, can be a woman.
1: No, come on. That's that's out there even for us.
0: I'd never thought of this. <laughs> yeah. That's the kind of thing that I thought uh I thought that was clever. You know, like oh someone someone to portraying Satan as female well that's just smart that's just that's just brilliant
1: yeah because uh i mean that that puts a whole new spin on the getting kicked out of uh heaven part of the, the narrative maybe it was a bad breakup
0: yeah. well it's certainly interesting though the uh the idea of uh, heaven and hell as their own kind of mythology i mean obviously tolkien took you know sort of norse mythology and made it into its own sort of fantasy world and in a way what this does or what constantine seemed to do was to take yeah to do the same thing take the christian theology of heaven and hell and say what if this was a sort of fantasy world these were two like warring nations
1: yeah well yes. um one thing that i that it absolutely wasn't uh, an inspiration but could have been um oh. is the work uh, good omens by uh terry pratchett and neil gaiman oh. um which very much portrays um both heaven and hell as their own separate, uh, like bureaucratic entities with like, Uh you know, with middle management and, you know, like office, office building style makeup in particular. Like that's like, that's very much how it's painted. Like you take all these sort of elevators to go up to heaven. You'd also take the same elevators to go down to, to hell, but hell's sort of in the basement and, uh, heaven's like the high rise tower with the big glass windows. Like, Mm -hmm. um, that's something that they sort of paint a lot. uh, And that that comes a lot, uh, comes up a lot as well. in the uh, adaptation that was made for television, Um, like they really got those visuals down well, I thought.
0: Oh, there was an adaptation, huh? Was David Jason in it?
1: No, um, (laughs) it was uh, David Tennant and Michael Sheen. Oh, okay. It's, it's it's worth a watch if you haven't. Uh, But that's, that's neither here nor there. Um, how yeah how do you how like there's a memory that i kind of want to get onto with with this which is to my mind the 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 most intense memory that i have from working on this project and it's that after after finishing it i thought it would be a good idea to show it to uh one of the librarians at my school to get some feedback you remember
0: this and that that is that how you ended up in therapy (laughs) no
1: she actually um she actually gave me good feedback and like she wrote me like a like a paragraph on on the sort of the text of it and i think i just gave her um i think i just gave her the text only version of it because i think i suggested it to you that we might do it and you're like i don't want people to see this yeah, that so, sounds like me. So I made a, I made a, I took your work out and was like, well, I can, I can go, I can do, do my stuff that, point make Corbin upset.
0: You shouldn't have been so respectful. You should have just told me, shut up, Wilkin, <laughs> and pushed me down. <laughs> just, just like God. No, I don't remember that. But um, what was the upshot? Is this version the sort of corrected version based on her notes?
1: No, I, <laughs> no, I didn't, I didn't change it, I think. That, that would be way too much work. I um No, I, I simply I simply just looked at it every now and again, and I kept that copy of the story for a long time. I may still have it in my possession somewhere. Um, But yeah, I kept it in my room thinking. It's nice. You know, she'd written it all on a, a couple of post-it notes that she'd stuck to the front page, and I just sort of kept it in that form. So I'm very sentimental about bits of paper that people write on and give to me.
0: Was that the first serious feedback you'd ever gotten on anything that you'd written? Correct.
1: Yes, it was, and it was well, from someone. A nice. It was from someone who's quite stern. So, like, hearing uh, praise from her was very. that was good. It was nice. It was a nice thing to have.
0: It's different from having a parent comment on your work, I suppose. Because
1: you can never really trust what they're saying, in my opinion. No. Like, they're either they're either going to be like overly nice, or they like if they're derisive, it's like painful. But whatever they say, you can't really sort of take it at face value. Mm,
0: yeah, yeah, that makes sense. To
1: this day, uh, my my mom is constantly clamoring to see work of mine, and I'm just always like, hey, I'll show you sometime. I'm not, <laughs> I'm not going to show her. She can, she can buy a copy when it's publicly available
0: at full price. Yeah,
1: <laughs> RRP <laughs> till I die. <laughs>
0: yeah so i can't really remember particularly what motivated us to make this and i can't remember if i particularly enjoyed it or what our <laughs> intentions were with it A plus. i don't remember showing it to anyone else or what any other people thought of it i don't really remember what was adjacent in my own life at the time um but it was there. Or maybe that's what happens when you complete a piece of work, you forget everything that went into it and you just have the artifact, the finished piece just there in your life. And
1: yeah, your brain draws a line under that period of time and said, this is what I did then. And I I don't have to think about it anymore because look, here's that artifact. I've sort of taken a bit of my life and I've turned it into this, uh, into this thing. Mm. That's why good artists (laughs) don't tell good stories. (laughs)
0: But I'm going to ask that question we ask every episode, which is, is it juvenilia?
1: (laughs) We definitely. I'm joking. (laughs) I was (laughs) going to say, we definitely have asked that every time. Is it juvenilia? Um, Is this the work of a child or is this the work of me in my younger form? I think this is the work of me in my younger form. I think that arguably this, this and the usual scum may be the only two so far that I think that that's the case for.
0: It's definitely a watershed.
1: Yes. Yeah, I would agree definitely. with that. Do you, do you feel the same, I assume, from your response there?
0: I do, yeah. And I guess I was going to ask as a follow up like how you felt as though it, this doing this informed work that you did later on? Because for me, I feel as though there's a through line from this directly to um, Duality, which was a sort of sci fi <clears throat> book we attempted to write later on. And which I remember being another big step up in terms of like drawing ability. But this kind of, um, yeah, I mean, it was it was the first of I felt like I figured something out. I felt like we'd figured something out and it kind of set the tone for the following few years and what we were trying to do.
1: I no, I think that you're absolutely um, right on that duality is uh like definitely like felt like not a sequel but a sort of a spiritual sequel to this it was like this was the proof of concept almost and then we we're like i think even then i was like well this is quite short like it's a lot but it's quite short uh, what if it, what if we could take the same energy and sort of run with it and you know make something bigger a bit more a bit more established that would be i remember thinking um so like i probably wouldn't show sun city to somebody like you know like an industry professional but i remember thinking maybe if maybe if we like do duality well then that i could show that as sort of like a, as my sort of introduction before i then went on to make our, make whatever thing i would actually do that i think would be published it was like these sort of three right. three steps of, towards getting published that was how i sort of like
0: framed the three yeah, it definitely felt like a stepping stone towards something.
1: And I can't even remember what our, like, what was our working uh, method like for this? Did did I, would I send you sort of half-finished bits of writing as I went along, and you would, like, work for them? Or, I didn't, I, we didn't work independently of one another. Like, I didn't finish the story entirely and just hand it over to, you, like, sight unseen, did I? Like, I
0: i don't know honestly i can't remember at all like there's some of these things where i have vivid memories of working upon them and like how we interacted with each other and where i was doing it and so on but this i really i really i don't have any memory of it at all mm. baffling stuff <laughs> well it's strange yeah i can only say that like i assume that you yeah sent me a sort of digital first draft maybe a bit unfinished and i just started working on illustrations as and when they took my fancy just trying to kind of come up with a a range of different drawings that fit the the text but
1: maybe that was maybe like the reason we can't remember is because we were i feel drunk drunk. i feel like um i feel like we're definitely getting to the period of time where i became more confident working on stuff just like sat by myself as opposed to feeling the need to sort of like be working on it whilst you were like in the same room with me, like which was definitely a feeling for my like earlier stuff. Like I always remember like wanting to like do it whilst we were like in the same place so we could work on it together. Most like in part because I enjoy your company, obviously, but also because like I I think that there was a lack of confidence that like if I, I didn't want to just like sit by myself for the, for the entire thing um and try and like start something and not get anywhere and then feel like a, a disappointment. Um, but I think around this time is when I started to be a bit more like, okay, no, we can definitely work on these things in the same space together. But like, I can also do this like independently.
0: That's such an interesting point because there's a real energy to working in the room together that, I guess I'm really nostalgic for that. And I don't know if we did that with this. We may have, but we definitely did it with projects before and after where we would be sitting in the same room together. Yeah, You would be writing and I would be drawing. And yeah, there, there really is something about that because somehow somehow you feed off of each other's energy. And, and if you get the energy up, then there's this sense of like progress. Yeah, It's, it's very different from working alone. When you reach a, a bit of a roadblock... You've got nowhere to turn to. But when you're working together on something, when you reach a roadblock, you can immediately discuss it and say, hey, what do you think about this? Or do you have any ideas for that? Or take a look at this. Mm. What, you know, what would you do? And yeah, that's that that that, that whole way of doing it. That's something I, I guess I kind of miss because I don't do that at all and haven't for a long time.
1: <laughs> do you think that's the thing that you could go back to now?
0: Well, only now that we've started talking about it, I think, hmm, is that actually a much better way of working on creative stuff? Because in recent years, I've just kind of assumed that I have to work alone and that the best way for me to work is with, you know, completely alone, (laughs) preferably at night, just immersed in my own little world. But what if that's total nonsense? What if I should actually be directly collaborating with someone in the same room as me?
1: I think that um one of the gifts that you get as a teenager in particular is that because there isn't really a great deal of uh, demands on your time you know like I I distinctly remember going to your like to your house for like a, pretty much an entire weekend at times like I'd come home with you on like the Friday night and I'd go on the Sunday and that's like a long period of time to sort of dedicate to being in each other's company but like back then it didn't really matter because you know more than half of your time was your own whereas being an adult you know like your your time is less and less your own you've got more obligations and responsibilities and things to take care of and people to you know check in with um yeah. the idea of sitting in a room with you is lovely but it when i think about it it's i any time that i see you the the priority is always I know, when i catch up with my friend because maybe we've only got like 4 hours or 6 hours or you know whatever like, sitting down and getting into work would require us to be in each other's presence, I think, for at least a couple of days.
0: Yeah, it feels like an impossibility, doesn't it? I don't know
1: that it feels like an impossibility, but I do think that it would be something where you and I would have to make a, a concerted um, investment. Like, like what we're doing at the moment with this it feels very much like it's it's something akin to that. But we've managed to, we're doing it in a way, you know, through technology and like uh, remote recording, like where we're able to, like, you know, put time in together consistently for a fair chunk each week. Um, like that's something. But I feel like I think we would literally probably just like need to rent like an Airbnb or something and just like go work.
0: Yeah. Well, you could potentially do it over a video call and get some of the same effect.
1: That's true. That is true.
0: On that note, do you want to do a quiz?
1: Yeah, uh, yes, I, I want to do a quiz, and then I want to do a, a nostalgia.
0: <laughs> nostalgia. Okay. Well, do you have any quiz questions for me, or do you want me to give you some quiz questions?
1: Um, I'll do one quiz question at the end. I've got one. Oh, sweet! This is our first two-way quiz. Then it's a, it's a, it's a collaborative, collaborative. Don't know what I mean by that, but
0: nobody does. Swing and a miss, you might say. (laughs) The Samuel Burns' story. (laughs) The cover is you just wiggling a baseball bat. (laughs) Holding the wrong end. (laughs) (laughs) Question one. What film came out as we were working on this that we felt had somehow stolen our idea? Clue, it's not Constantine. I was going
1: to say, is it Constantine? Uh, Was it... um... Was it Domino?
0: Domino. Yeah, with
1: um, you know, Keira Knightley. No, was it black. What's that about? Was a black wall with Keira Knightley.
0: Sam, you get one. you get one answer. You don't get to keep trying until you get it right. Damn. Don't you remember? We we just we'd been working on this, and we saw uh, we were walking along, and we saw a bus shelter with a poster for a film called. A little film called Sin City. I do remember that. And we looked at each other like...
1: They've robbed our joint. They've done us. Done us up like Kipper. Just one.
0: Yeah. And we were worried that it was going to be somehow the exact same concept as our story.
1: We were worried it was going to cut into our book sales. When really... We didn't have book sales. And if we had, we probably would have seen a spike from stupid people buying the wrong book.
0: <laughs> we didn't even have a book. I mean No one, no one could buy our book. <laughs> what type of pen God. did I use to draw these images? Big 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 Big. Sam, you're not trying very hard to think about these questions. You're just jumping in with the first nonsense that comes into your head. <laughs>
1: Corbin, that, I jumped in because I had a dead certainty. You use a Bic biro ballpoint
0: made by Bic. Are you going with your gut? I am. Is that what you're telling me? I've got a,
1: I've got a splat of my
0: gut. Sam, whenever I used a Bic ballpoint pen, the problem is, right? Over time, the ink goes gold. Well, that's why we scan the images, Corbin. <laughs> so I stopped using Bic because they're not reliable, and also they, they even though Bic is a good ballpoint pen, they require you to press quite hard. Um. No. What you really need is a good flowy gel pen, ah. and the one my pen of choice was the Uniball Signo 0.7 millimeter.
1: Damn, I, I still swear by that to this day for when I want to get ink all over my hands.
0: <laughs> no, they were like they were they were no they were good. They weren't very um far, bleedy.
1: No, no, no. But they they weren't very fast drying, were they?
0: Yeah, they were fast drying. Oh, wow. Well. Because I tried other brands that were a lot more inky and kind of easier to draw with, and I actually felt like I kind of got better results, but I was so bad at smudging the wet ink that I ended up sticking to the Uniball Signo, which was almost like, um, it was kind of a cross between a sort of dry Bic ballpoint, and a really wet, kind of bleedy, leaky ballpoint. It was somewhere in the middle. So I guess I settled on that, and that was the pen I used for basically all of the stories we did during our teenage years. Just, that was a fine liner, not a fine line but ballpoint drawings probably held me back for a long time, I probably should have um, s- uh, switched to a, a nib like a, an actual dip pen dip, dip, dip. could have been like Quentin Blake
1: it could have oh. but now Roald well, Dahl will never never work with you
0: so you've got a cool zero out of two at the moment, it, here's the third question keep it fresh <laughs> yeah the third question is How is Satan's appearance actually described in the Bible?
1: Uh, it isn't.
0: I'll give you half a point for that, because, yeah, pretty much. But there is one visual description in 2 Corinthians 11.14, which is, Satan disguises himself as an angel of light. Hmm which is actually a little creepy to me the idea that satan if you see if you see an, an a beautiful angel might be satan might be yeah
1: i've never seen an angel and i've never seen the light of god so
0: Aww. yeah that's sad i guess
1: i'm just not really uh not really registering on the scale in either
0: direction no i, I don't have a soul have you ever seen <laughs> um have you ever watched any of uh, the mandela catalog no what's that it's an online analog horror series which takes as its premise the idea that the angel Gabriel was always actually Satan in disguise. Yeah. And that he's kind of basically uh, controlled history from the time of Jesus in order to sort of manipulate the world and gradually take it over. Wow. <laughs> yeah. It just reminded me of that. That's wonderful stuff. Perhaps, yes. Oh, I've got a bonus question. A bonus, potential extra point. Bones, bonus. Go on. But you won't lose any points if you get it wrong. Okay. So what, I,
1: what, I was going to lose points if I got them wrong. <laughs> Maybe. So am I? On how am I I I I a minus one?
0: <laughs> I don't know, Sam. You're at half a point. Mm. So, the bonus question is: In what country are the ruins of the real-world Sun City located? Peru. Peru? Yeah. No, Egypt. What? Yeah, there was an actual city in ancient Egypt called Heliopolis, or the City of the Sun, that was uh, a city uh, that worshipped Ra, oh. or Helios in the Greek tradition.
1: They should called it Ra Town.
0: Ra Town. Ra, uh, Ra, Rasputin.
1: Uh, I mean, it would have over time, The, the you know, foreigners would have called it Ratan. because it's oh, like yeah. Rat Town.
0: Oh, that doesn't sound very nice, Sam. Give me a question
1: Corbin. What is the relevance of the three people named in the very first section of um the the opening segment?
0: <laughs> I was actually wondering that myself, so when Jack is in the waiting room, some names get called, right? Yes. James Timmins, door one. Lucy Turnbull, door two. Bill Crackling, door three. I'll I'll
1: put my hands up straight away. Bill Crackling is nothing. That's just, just a joke name, but like there's relevance to the other
0: names. Bill Crackling is a joke name. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I don't get the joke, Sam. Oh, no,
1: it's just funny because it sounds funny. Like, why would your last name be Crackling? Your pork product make-mate.
0: Oh, Okay, you should have called him Paul Crackling. Should have. Didn't though. <laughs> So what's the relevance of James Timmins and Lucy Turnbull? Hmm, I'm pretty sure, was, wasn't James Timmons like a boy at our school or something? And Lucy Turnbull was probably some girl you had a crush on.
1: Uh, you are close. I will give you half a point for your answer. Yes. Um, so they were both kids that I went to primary school with, um, but I didn't like either of them. I thought
0: so why have they gone to heaven if you don't like them they should be in hell
1: yeah I'm not sure what I was thinking I think maybe I got my wires confused I thought maybe that they were in that he was in a he was in purgatory and that having them go through the lower number doors whilst he was going through door number six the highest number I thought that um I think I maybe when I was initially putting it down I was like okay James definitely goes to the, the bottom of hell <laughs> and Lucy should also go to some sort of hell. Um, but I think I sort of uh, changed the premise and didn't changed the names.
0: Well, you're going to have to explain this to God when you meet him, how you messed up and accidentally sent you people you hated to heaven. Yeah. Damn it, Sam.
1: We used to call her Speak- Lucy Turn My Ball.
0: <laughs> you didn't. <laughs>
1: Not to her face, but...
0: Sam, that's disgusting behaviour for a primary schooler. <laughs> so, speaking of names, how did you come up with the name Jack DMS anyway? Uh,
1: I think that I wanted Jack because it felt like very sort of like sharp and cool, and I'd seen Jack and Daxter, and it noted that they'd cut out the C. It's again J A K, and I thought, well, that's uh, that's pretty cool. But what if you just like did J A C J A C possibly a shortening of uh, Jacques. Maybe he was meant to be French at some point, I don't
0: know. Well I was gonna say you just make him sound like a French guy. Yeah. He's Jacques diem.
1: Jacques diem. And um Je
0: m'appelle Jacques Diem.
1: <laughs> yeah, um and Diem I think that I was sort of uh referencing, you know, Carpe Diem. Like it's uh time time to die.
0: God saved <laughs> your not, Latin not, scholarship not... coming in again.
1: By the way, Carpe Diem doesn't mean time to die. But <laughs> I know. I know. James I know you know, but maybe our one, maybe maybe Dan doesn't know our one listener.
0: <sighs> Shout out to Dan, um, and to Emily so if this, she's made it this far, but I can't imagine she has. <laughs> There's so much Latin in your work, Sam. Because <laughs> you're a scholar of Latin, and you got an E in GCSE Latin.
1: <laughs> I did, but I I was top of the class in Year Nine before we started GCSEs. What happened?
0: Well, in Latin. E is higher than A, so that's, you actually got the best grade out of anyone. Oh, no, one,
1: no, no one told uh, the GCSE board about that.
0: You know the Latin alphabet, don't you? It goes E, B, C, D, A, F, G.
1: E's in there tw- twice. <laughs> e- Did you say E B C D E?
0: E B E B C D A F G. <laughs> I got it right, Sam. Stop (laughs) gaslighting me. I'm sorry. Yeah. Good. You should be. So, let's stick this goddamn thing on the cringe league table. Yes, let's. This blasphemous, sacrilegious piece of work that if we had Christian parents, would have just gotten us cast out onto the
1: streets. If my mum thought that God was a man and not an uh, orb of universal light, then she would have been miserable about this. But,
0: Oh, she would have been furious. Yeah,
1: She doesn't read my stuff, though. She had a chance when I was 15, she didn't take it, and now she's never reading it again.
0: Well, that's a relief. You go first this time. I feel like I always go first. You... How, what, 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 how how nostalgic is this out of 100, Sam? 42. That's Hang on, wait a minute. 42? Yeah. Are you pulling a hitchhiker's guide on me? No, I'm not. Um... Better not be.
1: I, I just I just said a number that came into my head, but that's not actually how I feel about it. Um, nostalgia. So this is this is an important piece for me and for us. I think for the reasons that we detailed about, like its place in our like construction of things. Um, I think it deserves a, a solid sixty-one out of a hundred nostalgia for me.
0: That that little extra one above sixty there. Yeah, all important.
1: Well, if you have a round number, it sounds like you're not really trying. So
0: well for me i'm not nostalgic necessarily for the work itself but i am nostalgic for how i remember feeling at the time because even though i don't really remember much about making it i do remember the kind of atmosphere around us creating it and the kind of creative state we were in at the time and it it, it did feel as though after after a year or two of really trying to do this stuff we had a kind of breakthrough and it felt really good it felt like we really knew what we were doing and were actually getting somewhere with it. Yeah. And yeah, that's that's a nostalgic feeling. We were that we were kind of discovering our these creative abilities and actually doing something fully fleshed out. Definitely. So I'm gonna give that a pretty high nostalgia score of oh, 78 Wilkin dragging us up by our coattails. Yeah. But Sam Yes. sometimes people cringe about things and how much do you cringe about this if you were going to put it on a scale of 0 to 100
1: I thought I was going to cringe about this more I I deliberately chose the part of the prose that makes me cringe the most it did make me cringe it didn't make me cringe that much so my cringe for this is 19
0: Okay. yeah, I feel the same. Like I, I expected to cringe about this a lot more. When I think of it, I remember it as a stupid idea. <laughs> but we had just barely turned fifteen when we did this, and for a couple of fifteen-year-old schmucks, this, this is—it's not a bad attempt at something. I mean, yeah. good God, no. we're giving it a go here, guys. I mean, what do you want from right. us? We're fifteen, still, just a couple of. Just a couple of jackasses. Just a couple.
1: There's of todgers swinging in the wind.
0: I'm trying to think of what I find cringy about it. Um, trying to look for cringy elements. I mean, there's not I get, that much. I could help you if you <laughs> <laughs> go on. What? What? What's? Well, just
1: just based on what you. This is, I'm not putting extra daggers in. Just uh, the the boulder, the, the plexiglass boulder is probably worth a mention, but.
0: Do you mean fiberglass? I do probably mean fiberglass. Plexiglass is like a clear sheet of like reinforced plastic, yeah, isn't it? I mean fiberglass. Yeah. Now who's cringing? Me. Plus one. Yeah, his character design is a little bit cringe. Um, I mean, there's a few elements of the drawing that are cringe, but not even that much, because it's like, I was doing the best with the abilities I had, frankly. That is fair. Ah, I can't, like, it's it's, it's going to end up high on the league table, Sam. I can't, I can't rightly give this more cringe than 15. So I assume you're running the calculations. I am,
1: I'm tabulating as we speak. The, there's, steam com- there's steam coming out of the machine. It's not, it's not good.
0: Oh my God. Error. Wow. Is there like a ribbon of paper, kind of rapidly, sort of shooting there out is. of and, the machine?
1: Look, and you won't believe this. This is uh, this is done very well. Oh my god! Where do you think this falls
0: on the? Uh, on... It's got to be right near the top. So far, out of what... top three, it's got to be. It's, it is top three. its Top it's three.
1: I'm just looking at my scores, and remembering that I gave facial hair a one. <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah well that's that's down to you sam you know if you want to that's show you want to be that brutal to yourself but come on you're leaving me in suspense here come on
1: sun city gains 63 from yourself 42 from myself aggregated 52.5 which places it second on our cringe league table (gasps) after the usual scum still top top dog
0: wow the one is the one to beat Wow, um, that's, that, that's 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 pretty impressive. That
1: feels right to me. I was worried that this was gonna like that. I was I had a sort of voice in the back of my head after I picked my scores. I was like, "Oh, if I unseated scum? What's happening here?" But
0: would that be so wrong? I mean, the system of the cringe league table system does not lie, Sam.
1: It's true. It is a flawless system with it's no flawless it, system. There's no, nothing that needs changing about it.
0: Um, you built that machine, especially to. Work out the detailed algorithms of how, how cringy or nostalgic these things are indeed you, you you're not going to doubt your machine are you no, not. I, I love my machine it's um, all those blinking lights and stuff those
1: blinking lights so uh <laughs> as as it stands currently uh facial hair bringing up the bringing up the you know the the, the rear um uh, with one and then jumping up to list siblings with twenty five the Business, just a, a scooch ahead at 27. um A Story Buy at 41. The Pawn at 44.5. Sun City, our newest entry at 52.5, and The Reigning Champion, The Usual Scum, at 57.
0: Okay. It's not so far ahead then. No, it's not. Does the Lith siblings really deserve to be next to facial hair? <laughs>
1: <laughs> uh, that's a... He, he. You rated it, my friend. <laughs> I had nothing to do with that one.
0: Hey, I, you know, The Lith siblings, it's it's not that much worse than Sun City, and that was a one-man show. I mean, wow. You know, I'm starting to think, actually, that was quite an achievement
1: well, for young Wilkin. Perhaps um, a, a something you can learn through this is to be a bit kinder to yourself. Maybe think about that. Whereas I'm definitely trending downwards with my scores. So. <laughs>
0: um, the last thing I'm going to do is be kinder to myself. Well, damn. On that note, bye. Well, hang on a minute, Sam. <laughs> we're not even close to being done. If you were con- to consider reviving this project now, <laughs> what would you do differently?
1: Um, I'd probably pick a different, uh, a different religion. You know, play in the space a little.
0: Oh, yeah, Hinduism would be pretty cool, wouldn't it? Or Jainism?
1: Nah. I'm a man who's been sent to assassinate Jain I don't know what Jainists <laughs> believe in.
0: <laughs> well, clearly <laughs> I know that they won't eat tomatoes <clears throat> Really? Yeah, no, genuinely They're the only religion in the world that won't eat tomatoes
1: Well, that's whack
0: Yeah, it's because they're related to the, the Deadly Nightshade
1: uh, They must also eat potatoes Correct of my Deadly
0: Nightshade knowledge Yeah, I mean If you're after uh, A potato curry can't help you, basically.
1: Potato curry always come with a tomato paste. I don't know. <laughs> you could have said if you're looking for fries and ketchup.
0: Oh, lovely. Yeah, but you could replace the ketchup with brown sauce. <laughs> Still good, replace the
1: fries with nothing. Well, yeah,
0: you could do... Um... So you just have brown
1: sauce, dip your fingers in it and lick it off. Oh, lum,
0: lum, 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 Did <laughs> <Is it long? laughs> Yes. i don't know why well look i'm thinking point one Mm. sun city could be expanded into a short novel or even a long novel but that might rob it of its charm it's
1: true Seven thousand words is all you need that's what i've always said
0: well i am i am impressed with the economy like you cram an awful lot in there for such a short a short space of yeah you know what i'm trying to say um but you could, you could expand it into a novel. But um, you could also just do a sort of straight retelling, and like you mentioned earlier, you could just redraw some of the illustrations because some of them, the composition is there. Mm. You just need the the um the technique, yeah, you know, the sort of penmanship to actually make them look decent. And God knows you've got it. Well, I don't know, I don't know. I mean, I wouldn't do it again now. It's just the the, the subject matter is too crazy. I don't really know if I could make like if I was going to rewrite it if I was going to just rewrite your work I I, I don't know how I'd handle that and make it something I was really interested in
1: yeah I think um,
0: <laughs>
1: I think this is so often the case <laughs> with this part of our podcast we discover that if you were to remake it you would uh, make it into a, a sort of a it would just be about the, the probably the waiting you know the lobby experience <laughs> Yeah,
0: jump, it would be about the old man in the lobby reading out names. Yeah.
1: <laughs> and I for one would read it.
0: Yeah, you 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 follow him home after his shift and like see what he has for dinner and I rem- his relationship with his wife.
1: There was something there was something I wrote um much more recently, like in about two or three years ago, where um someone else's story was told through the perspective of uh, sort of a disinterested uh, witness. Um, and then at the end, I sort of did a little bit of character assassination on him, just to make sure that you were, you understood that he was a uh, not not a character to be liked or cared about by saying that he was going home to eat yesterday's curry. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Sam, that feels like an attack on me. <laughs> <laughs> it's
1: it's it's not, but it could be if you believe.
0: <laughs> inexplicably enough, I eat yesterday's curry every day. <laughs>
1: He's never made it fresh, so always, there's always a little <laughs> bit more to eat he's Sisyphus of curry.
0: Or possibly, I eat yesterday's curry and then I cook a fresh curry, but I'm too full to eat it, so I have to have it tomorrow. <laughs> better
1: get ahead of the game.
0: in love a curry, me. Well, what thing, are we going to discuss?
1: The only thing that's nicer than a fresh curry is a uh, curry that you made yesterday.
0: Oh yeah, no, it's always better. That's why I always eat yesterday's curry, and... In that story you wrote, whatever it may be, you you totally blew it because everyone probably ended up liking that guy. They were like, "Hey, what a lad!" Yeah, a um, bit of a leftover takeaway. Pretty, Lovely. Pretty
1: certain he um just didn't go into work the the day after and just sort of stopped trying. Just lived in his flat until they expired. But I didn't get that far.
0: Okay, that also sounds like me. <laughs> What book was that? What project was that?
1: Uh, that project was a, a short story that I wrote for a friend's birthday. I was trying to oh. deal with a situation that she was going through in her life um, by giving her some perspective on it, and I thought that I would do that by writing a story. And she enjoyed it, so that was that was nice, because after I sent it, I was like, maybe this is a really heavy-handed way of uh, trying to be a helpful friend. But, yeah, using my...
0: Epilogue, she and Sam are no longer friends. <laughs>
1: Yeah, I mean though that has uh that uh what am I trying to say? Though the uh, though friendships friendships of mine have ended through to through uh, actions of mine, um yeah, I'm happy to say that I'm still very much firmly friends with said individual.
0: Well, that is good to know. Let's leave that on a positive note and uh, say, what are we going to talk about next time?
1: Well, Wilkin, you are the next up in our rotation. Oh, jeez, I know. I mean, you've got got a couple of strong contenders here.
0: Oh, yeah. Um, Well, we talked about, like, four comics in a row, and now we've talked about an illustrated story. So I'm thinking I have got to talk about... Well, it looks like I did a couple of things, and then there was a gap of a couple of years where I just collaborated with you before starting to do my own stuff again. So I guess we'd better get those couple of things out of the way. Yes. So... (sighs) Let's do a story that I wrote that was intended to be a novel, but obviously never made it that far mm-hmm. called The White Room. Ooh. Have you have you seen this? Have you heard about this?
1: I recall uh I have a, a strong memory of the White Room. I'll 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 get to it. What? No, yeah, exactly. Um
0: You were supposed to say no, I have never heard of it.
1: I will get to that next time, but uh oh, suffice suspense. to say. I've got feelings about The White Room.
0: Oh, feelings. You want to be careful with those.
1: <laughs> For those of you who don't know, The White Room is a, a short story that Corden wrote about smashing my head in with a hammer. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
0: Not true.
1: No. I, uh, I, I only have one thing to say about The White Room and I will say it at the appropriate time.
0: Well, yeah, if you've only got one thing to say, you don't want to blow your wad now because we've got, like, time to fill in the next episode, so save it. I will. (laughs) All right. Juveniliapodcast at gmail dot com. Sam, it's been it's been a podcast. It's
1: been a podcast with you too, Wilkin Um I hope That's very sweet of you to say. Well I hope you have a good week and bye.
0: Goodbye Samuel. And good luck.